This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Tom Gibbis, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah i hope everybody's having a warm week this is very cold here in philadelphia right now uh we got winter if you ask for winter we got winter and i hope you don't regret having winter with that said we do got a lot to talk about today with our review of crisis on infinite earths that is justice league crisis on infinite earths the animated version of this now we years back we reviewed the uh arrowverse version of this so you know far be it for me to not compare it to it because uh i really like that one does this one measure up we'll talk about that in our talk topic of the week uh but before we get into all that news i do have some great news to talk about here a lot of great news talking about in the award of our favorite fandoms one of which is our first guest of 2024 that is tom hewlett of way forward i got the way forward guys back again uh as i kept saying throughout all last year 2023 i was plotting for this um i had a game in mind that was coming out soon this year and it's going to happen so tom hewlett is the director of the brand new contra game coming out i believe it's called operation uh, galuga and uh it's coming out sometime this year so i'm gonna have tom talk about his work on a uh, game as well as you know other things that he is going through in his career and stuff so um it'll be a good episode to talk uh with and um it should be out sometime this week so stay tuned for that because uh, i'm going to get a chance to talk with him and i can't wait i actually am excited about this contra game but we haven't had a contra game in years and the fact that way forward is going to be the people behind it that's going to be great uh way forward is really really good almost the masters of retro gaming and 2d side scrolling 
you know, games. I mean, Shantae, um, you're talking DuckTales Remastered. I mean, they, among some of their own titles as well, they've worked with so many different companies because of how really good they are. And for them to get the uh, opportunity to do a Konami classic, which by the way, Tom, formerly from Konami and somehow, some way, he's working way forward now and still is able to work on a Contra game. So very much looking forward to talking to him about how that came about and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. Other big news. I have a new show. Uh, not ACM. Well, technically it is ACMG ish, if you will. But if you know, every once in a while on this show in my other shows, if there's something wrestling pro wrestling related, I want to talk about it. Well, this show that I'm going to have is fully all about wrestling. Plus a lot of ACMG uh, rhetoric as well. It is all elite geekly. It is my show along with Boris Roberto Aguilar. We both, you know, tag team together on the show and we will review AEW dynamite on a weekly basis. And as if you heard the, um, ramp, the rampage ramble, which is technically what this is in a sense, but we're not guest host for that. But this one we're talking about AEW dynamite. We kind of graduated in this case. So we're going to be reviewing AEW Dynamite, but we're also going to talk some ACMG uh, news of the week on air as well, and some random talk as well in terms of that. So we're always going to have some bit of a subject talk before we get to the wrestling review. So um, shout out to whatever listener gave us the name All Elite Geekly because, you know, gave me some creative sense to do the logo for it. So we worked it out and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Plus, that's not all. Tonight, if you're listening to this uh, tonight, right now, or if you listen to tomorrow, I've already done it. You can check me out as I'm going to make an appearance on Sunday night's main event, the radio show, the flagship show on TSN radio tonight on Sunday tonight. Uh, and I believe it comes on 11 o'clock Eastern standard time. That's the way I believe it used to come on. I don't know if that's the case, but if you miss it out, that's no problem because it'll air It'll be uh, uploaded the next day, uh, but you can check it out on TSN Radio 1050, or you can check out the replay next day on SundayNightsMainEvent.com. You can check it out there. I believe they're on Podbean too, so you can check it out there. But um, lots of fun. Get a chance to uh, talk about. I think what we're going to talk about on the on the uh, on the air is the reason why I came back to start watching WWE and. Um, <laughs> is there, there's I, i'm looking forward to that talk because i've been protesting wwe for years and why i came back well let's just say it's a done deal and that's that's a double play on words right there especially after if you watched smackdown this week so um you know check me out tsn radio 1050 in toronto and i just love the idea that i am on a radio show from another country that i do not live in <laughs> And uh, it's always cool. And I, I, you know, I really enjoy and appreciate the, the Canadian guys over there. Um, Boris, you know, Brad, all those guys, Matt, all those guys that I've had a chance to, you know, get a chance to. I believe this is going to be the second time I made an appearance on the radio show, the actual radio show that really kind of, you know, spearheaded me to hosting or co-hosting or guest appearing in some of their shows. So I'm going to be seeing a little bit more on the SNME team this year. So, I mean, 
it'll be a lot of fun. I get to, you know, I rarely get to fully talk about wrestling except when I'm on that show. So it's all about fans because I like to keep ACMG mostly ACMG related. And if there's wrestling talk, it's usually in connection to all things anime, comics, movies, and games. So here I get to do both in this case. So I love it. So good looking out to uh, Boris and the rest. And I look forward to talking to them tonight. So again, we got some news to talk about this week in terms of our favorite fandom. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Right, so before we get into the news, I got to break down on this. Um, on my screen right now is Retro Crush, which is for those who don't know, and if you're an anime fan and you don't know this, um, get ready to have your mind blown because I don't think still, I don't think there's a lot of people who still don't know about Retro Crush yet, but they're getting a little bit more on the radar. But Retro Crush is, wait for it, it's a free streaming network that airs 24 hours of not only just anime but like old school classic anime and i'm talking like astro boy um tra- you know messenger z uh god you name it. it's like if it was in the it was in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s it's on here and then there's some modern there is some modern stuff too like uh Yu-Gi-Oh and all that stuff plays on there metabots played this morning right now because they also now they they've and um they've included live tv so like they have a actual network that just streams anime all day but they also have you know on-demand content as well and i mean their on-demand library is growing every time and they have some really awesome uh selections of classic anime that you haven't seen both in uh sub and dub right now is kemba the white lion and i'm looking at this and I know i mean it's common knowledge now that disney took the idea of the lion king from kimba the white lion but when you look at it and some of the characters in here they i mean it's, it's so evident it's so evident like one of the main bad guys in here the antagonist there's a bam there's a bamboo um i mean not a bamboo um there's a, a monkey <laughs> that looks just like the one from uh that robert guillaume played uh, but even more, the main antagonist is named Claw, which is a real spitting image of Scar. So it just it amazes me that they were that they really did what they did. And I don't think that they really I don't think they ever denied it. I don't think they ever denied it. I think people have said it and they've not mentioned it or talked about it, but it's just amazing. Cause I don't I haven't really watched Kimba the Right Line, but I know it exists. Um, it exists both in English and in Japanese, of course. And I never really, really looked at it until now, but I've always seen documentaries or whatever that always said that this was the idea of the Lion King was, you know, borrowed or adopted or stolen whichever way you want to put it from Kimba. And I mean, yeah, there's no, if you took this to court, there is no denying it whatsoever. I mean, they did make some changes. They had, you know, Timon and Pumbaa, you know, it's like the main mascot, you know, comedy relief characters in there. And they did, you know, 
give Scar a name to what extent, but like there are some, there are a lot of similarities to this right now. I'm look as I'm looking at it, but what I do when I do this show, I usually have something on TV, just almost like my my uh, digital incense, if you will. So I usually put on Retro Crush while I'm doing a show, and you know, in my office here while I'm recording, and uh, you know, just just get, it, it involved the spirit of all the fandoms that I have in here right now. So just wanted to point that out. But if you haven't watched Retro Crush yet, go download the app. You can download it on your phones, your tablets. Um, if you got, you know, Fire TV, it's on air as well. And if you got a smart TV, you should have it. I know Samsung, the Samsung uh, smart TV that I have. Also, I, both my TVs, my TV in my office and my TV out in my uh, living room are both Samsungs. So Retro Crush is in there already or if you again if you have samsung they have their own you know network their own digital uh you know tv uh pretty much they got your own cable network that it is and retro crush is in there as well so you can watch it every single time on air too so it retro crush is in a lot of different you know it's it's more available than it ever was before you know years back so it, it just goes to show how much they're growing they got the licenses to be able to play a lot of these classic shows that you will not see anywhere else so yeah you know i hate to be i hate to plug it like that but it is what it is but i love this channel it is really cool because you especially if you truly are an anime fan or otaku if you want to call yourself that you gotta love if you love anime so much or if you love any type of fandom so much you gotta respect the past that led it to this point and that's the part that I think is lost in today's fandom mindset. It's like, it, it's inevitable that you respect the past because everything that you're enjoying will become the past as well. And you're going to want somebody to understand why you loved, why you love, you know, what you love back then. And you want them to enjoy what you enjoy. So to dismiss the past is ridiculous because it's inevitable that even what's the future will eventually be the past and we need to respect the past that made the future if that makes any sense to you guys rewind it and listen to that again <laughs> but um just thought i'll put that out there but let's talk about anime let's talk about scout pilgrim takes off which received the critics choice award for best animated series look there was a lot of animated series out there um i i think I, I'm really, honestly, as much as I love that series, there were so many great anime series out this year. I don't necessarily know. And maybe it's because, you know, Invincible came out last year too. Um, but I believe it didn't really, I felt like those episodes didn't finish. And I don't know if the writer strike had anything to do with it, but apparently it, it just didn't. I felt like it was only we only saw half of the series because it felt like it left in a cliffhanger and only a few episodes in. But I mean, to, I I have no beef about Scout Pilgrim. I absolutely loved it. And the fact that the again, I think what really helped it is that the entire cast from the movie reprised their roles on here. And then they also flipped the script on the narratives of the backstories and narratives of a lot of the uh, people uh involved in the original story so it, it really did a good job and everything about it was great the music was great the performances were great we got to get to know more of the characters 
than we ever did before and from the movie or the even graphic or even the graphic novel to that extent so i you know congratulations to everybody involved i i didn't realize um tom oliver who uh i believe he plays minute um minatu you know who's naruto's father um was involved in this as well because i i found out basically from his post and tom oliver if you guys don't know i had the chance to uh he was one of the one of the panelists that i was able to moderate during the naruto uh shippuden q a that i did in 2020 which you can see on talktimelive.com and uh, among other great guests that i had a chance of um moderating or interviewing or whatnot so you know congratulations to everybody on the team there it was uh pretty you know critics choice award is pretty good it's a pretty good awards uh show so good deal for them all right another thing real quick i'm not gonna say too much about it because i only read the first issue but folks if you haven't read a comic book in a long time because there's so much marvel and dc stuff that you can watch i'm telling you go and read ultimate spider-man number one i know they got like i think they're like three or four issues in now but I just decided to check it out because I've heard a lot about what was going on here. Um, I, and, and the last convincing thing that told me was like comics explained, you know, that famous show. He's like the, that dude is like, I forgot his name, but it's like, he's like the, um, it's like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of comic books, pretty much well-informed. He reads everything. He tells you why you need to read everything and why everything's so great or not great or makes sense or it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I love people who argue uh, argue to him or argue him because I think some of the people that argue with him may not actually be reading the books. <laughs> I mean, there may be some that are. I mean, I, I don't know the amount of people who are actually still reading because we're now in a world of people who are with short attention spans and don't want to read thoroughly as much not even like damn near a paragraph these days because you know they just make their opinions off of headlines nowadays and that's not everybody's but it, i feel like it's the margins becoming smaller and smaller by the day i'm hoping that'll change in 2024 and beyond but you know it, it it just feels like it's getting bad but ultimate spider-man number one changes everything i don't know what led to this reboot and all these other reboots that are happening all because they have a now a ult they're back to having an ultimate universe i believe now but this involves a world where peter parker never got his powers he has two kids he is still married to mj thank goodness but even it goes even farther than that j jonah jameson and him kind of coexist not only does he coexist but this is the biggest one Uncle Ben is still alive, but I may, I believe is dead, but Uncle Ben is still alive. And not only is he still alive in this universe, he's working at the Daily Bugle with Jonah. And those two are like, kind of like budding friends and rivals to some extent, but it's crazy. The dynamic between those two and the fact that Jay Jonah is still Jay Jonah, but not really Jay Jonah in a sense, like he he's, he's a little bit more tolerant. He comes off as a little bit more tolerant than he normally did. And Wilson Fisk also owns the Daily Planet. I mean, a Daily Bugle, the wrong one. <laughs> he owns the Daily Bugle. So there's a lot going on here, but there's a lot leading on. And I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't checked it out, but how Peter becomes Spider-Man is a crazy thing that has to be, that becomes 
embellished and unlocked as you read through the story. Um, oh, I, can I add to, um, Matt Murdock is not a lawyer. He is a preacher, which makes a lot of sense. If you know the story of uh, daredevil from the past and what he's involved in. And if you even watch the actual, you know, TV series, the Netflix series, it, him being a preacher or a pastor in this universe, it makes so much sense. So, um, it was, this was wild. This is wild. And, and while I, while it is, while I will say wild, I will also say refreshing. I don't know if this is, oh, well, it's another universe. What I don't know, because I haven't been reading comic books in quite, so, well, I, I'm not going to say I haven't re been reading comic books. I have re read some books so far this year, but, and the other one I may be reading soon is the new X-Men when that come out. I did read Miss, a little bit of Miss Marvel as well. Um, that Ivan Amani actually wrote and it was a part of as well. That was pretty good too, but I don't know how much of the Canon 616 is going through and what led to this, but I'm all for it. I also love the artwork too on air too. So, I mean, yeah, if you're a Spider-Man fan, take a look at this. This is a refreshing take on the world of Spider-Man. And again, I'm loving the fact that you can tell Joe Kusada is no longer there because him, him and it, it's just, it, it's kind of like how I don't want to compare him to Vince McMahon and, and Kevin and, um, and Kevin Dunn in a lot of ways from WWE. But when they were there, there was a lot of things that were happening that people didn't like that. The, uh, talent didn't like they left and things are changing rapidly. You know, things are happening that were that triple h is doing that is happening the same thing has kind of happened with marvel joe q left and mj and, and and peter are back together again and it's like all these things are happening it's like okay not to say that he didn't do a good job when he was there he actually did a really good job i think just one of the biggest you know complaints that it, it is arguably one of the biggest complaints that fans had in his decision making was breaking up peter and and mj because i think to a lot of people they live vicariously through their relationship because they had such a great relationship and she was basically her his ride or die through all the stuff that peter has gone through peter is peter is literally people live vicariously through peter not just solely because of what he goes through he you know he goes through the same things that we go through having to pay rent having you know relationship troubles having you know issues trying to figure out what's the best thing to do and the right thing to do and, but the one common thing that he can never you know that he always can count on is having mj on his side to make sure that she can help filter all of the stuff that he, all the weight of the world that he had to take on and vice versa so when he broke him up and that one more day deal with mephisto man were people pissed I mean, we eventually got over it and to, to his credit, to Stan Lee stood by it and, and, you know, claiming that, you know, you got to do some different things and we accepted it. It was okay. Um, it did what it did. Superior Spider-Man was dope and along the way. So I'm not going to totally denounce it, but we got, we got along with it. And I will say, I will say, I do love, I did love when he and Silk got together because those two were just smashing. <laughs> um, I, I love that silk is coming to the, uh, 
to the PlayStation Spider-Man universe, but she's going to be in this in this universe. She's going to be in the same age as Miles. So I don't know what's going to happen with that, because if if she's going to have the same, you know, instincts that she had with Peter and but but Miles is about her. Miles are the same age and Miles is, um, you know, dating uh, uh, Haley. I don't know how this is. This is not going to go well at all. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that dynamic from that standpoint but go check out ultimate spider-man number one and beyond i'm going to start i'm going to start um reading these episodes because this thing it looks like it's going to be a banger so i'm looking forward to it. hopefully it was and hopefully it doesn't turn out like um the house of x or the power of x because they started out really strong and then they just went left and i just stopped i just stopped messing with it period so we'll see how this goes fingers crossed on this so all right we got to talk about Ted because I didn't I didn't do a Ted talk. No pun, um, because I think when it came out, it came out way before I was able to do an episode. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it. I talked about it on our um, on the AEW uh, review show with Boris. But if you need a re- again, if you need a reason to, to get Peacock, Ted is another one of those reasons. I say another one because you also got Twisted Metal. You also got, um, you got a, you know, look, Peacock is really doing a great job with their shows. Um, the Continental show I thought was really good too, which is the, uh, you know, it's in the universe of John Wick. Uh, I thought that, I thought that was really good. Like there's a, there's some really good content on Peacock that you can check out. And Ted is another one. They gave Seth MacFarlane the rights to pretty much do whatever the hell he want. And it is pretty much everything that you expected to be. If you know, you know, um, if you understand Seth McFarlane's comedy style, which I call him at this modern time, he's the modern day Mel Brooks. If you don't know who Mel Brooks is, you might have got have grown up with his, you know, movies or whatnot, or his TV shows. Go look him up. The dude is awesome. And he's, you know, for better or for worse, you could credit him for for Dave Chappelle because it was Dave Chappelle who got his first real break on Robin Hood Men in Tights. And that's the first time anybody's truly really seen from a wide scale what Dave Chappelle was and how he stood out in that whole entire movie. And it led him to getting all these other opportunities. And he's become say what you will. He's he's like a Hall of Fame legend in comedy right now. So truly a truly a goat in comedy like i know he's got a lot of controversy but hey it is what it is but mel brooks is a guy who is just he's had a ton of great space balls that's all maybe i should just say space balls <laughs> that, that i think that'll just shut it right down you know to really talk about how awesome mel brooks is um but seth mcfarland i believe is this generation's version of mel brooks in so many ways, he has a he has a distinct comedy style. He has a way of being able to bring on that classic style of you know telling stories and also you know really prep it up with some old school Sinatra like type of deals and combine all these little you know pop cultural type of you know references and everything together to make some really cool stuff. He did the same thing here with Ted, in a sense that it is very family guy-esque but you also add elements of old classic 
comedies or sitcoms like all in the family there's a huge all in the family element to this when you talk about maddie the father blair the actual denise who's kind of like the michael and maddie's kind of like the archie bunker and then the mother who is like the Edith of the bunch. And then it's just like Ted and his, and his, uh, and the, and the kid that Mark Wahlberg, um, eventually plays in the movie. So this is a throwback to the days before, you know, the Ted movies where they were in high school and everything. And it is incredible. It's only seven episodes, but each episode runs like at least 40 to an hour. And oh my goodness, I laughed from start to finish there wasn't one bad episode at all i thought it was incredibly hilarious there is some really great episodes with some really great subject matters in there too but just seth mcfarland playing ted himself and the stuff that comes out of his mouth and the things that he does and and the, and, and the chemistry between him and the kid and the kid i keep forgetting the, uh what mark Wahlberg's character's name is and what the kid's character's name is but it is hilarious and the whole Boston atmosphere, it is incredible. So and it is based around the nineties and there is a lot of nineties references, even though it's like, again, you mix family guy with all in the family plus Alf and it has a good Alf element too, because Ted is that type of character. And then ever, almost every nineties trope sitcom is on here too. So it's like, it's really, it's an awesome, awesome show. If you love Family Guy, if you love The Cleveland Show, if you love American Dad, if you love Ted, A Million Ways to Die, whatever, you're going to love this show. And I, I, there's been rave reviews about it. And not only that, I'll say this. The first time uh, that it came on, uh, apparently received the biggest opening weekend for an original series. That's incredible. It, it, I mean, it's incredible for Peacock, like th that they got this much, you know, um, people, this many people actually watching. I thought it was awesome. So go watch if you haven't watched it yet. And like, man, it's this is the reason. Look, here's the deal. If something is coming out on a streaming app that I don't have, but I am eager to want to see it. And all I'm going to do is play, pay like a monthly fee. I'll just pay for that one month and just go right out and just, you know, just to see it all. Like if there's a series that comes out and I want to see it, but it's coming on on a weekly basis, I'll wait till all the episodes are out and then I'll pay a month, watch, binge, watch it, get right out. That's it. I've done that before. I think I did that with Paramount plus with, um, with, uh, what was it with, uh, Halo and got in, got in and got out. I did the same thing when I wanted to watch Tetris, the movie that's on Apple plus got in got out boom right there so and thinking of and of it that's how you do it and then the ones that you want to keep you keep so but i think this is worth checking out if you whether you have peacock already or you you know you basically just need to pay a month one month fee for it it's worth checking out all the episodes are available now so go check it out from there uh going into the world of mortal kombat the sequel to the uh first mortal kombat movie is in the works todd G uh, garner who is working on the uh movie teased uh mortal kombat fans with a peak of johnny cage's belt buckle which looks a lot like the one from the video game with his you know belt his nameplate buckle on there with the word cage on there and uh we know now that carl urban 
of the boys and Thor Ragnarok, and I believe he did Punisher uh, Warzone as well. Um, he is set to play Johnny Cage. Again, you know, it's weird because we've known him for having an accent all this time, but I believe he can he can work a, a, a an American accent. He can work an American accent, I believe. I don't know how they're going to play this off or how this is going to work, but, you know, they got him for a reason. And I believe when he was Frank Castle, he did not have an accent. So, um, and I'm, let me make sure, because I could be absolutely wrong in saying that, because it's been so long. Um, let's see. Was he Carl Urban? Oh, you know what? Forgive me. Forgive me. Why did I think that? It was Ray Stevenson who played... Um, Punisher Warzone. Why do I think he played the Punisher? What the hell? Um, okay, so I don't know if he can play now, but now back to the idea of like, I don't know if he's gonna be able to pull this off because of the accent, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, Jesus, why did I thought that he played the Punisher? Jesus, Lord, Jesus, Lord. Carl Urban and that New Zealand accent of his. He played Dread. That's okay. All right, y'all can see where I got that mixed up to some extent. You know, Dread, Punisher, two gun-toting people, even though one's from the future would not. St still, I got it. I got it. <laughs> but nonetheless, he is going to play Johnny Cage, and uh, that's gonna that's gonna be interesting. I I I trust they did pretty good with the first, you know, uh, movie. And let me say, kudos to netherrealm studios because what they did even though the events of the mortal kombat movie wasn't completely canon to the original story of the video game they allowed themselves to be to to have creative freedom and have creative liberty because they entered the new multiverse timeline thing to their story meaning this can be another timeline totally distinct from the original and realize this i realized this because if you watch the show the movie um two things two connections to this and why i say this if you watched mortal kombat snowblind which was the animated movie that came out based on uh kenshi and uh and sub-zero but it was like a future distant a post-apocalyptic like a world and we were trying to figure out what was going on it's uh spoiler alert if you haven't watched this yet but turns out that kano is the one that rules the world reason being because he was one of the time lords or the titans if you will that was able to take over you know this timeline and he recreated this world in his own mindset much like Liu kang did in mortal kombat 11 and mortal kombat 1 much like all the other time titans or time lords or whatever has done in their timeline because we now found that there were multiple timelines and if you remember in mortal kombat 1 the recent mortal kombat 1 Liu kang explains and mentioned and and, and, and mentions kano in the, in the scene in the in the game where you know a lot of the characters in the game especially from the original could end up being a titan so even and he said even kano can have his own world at his beck and call so that was a that was a nod to mortal kombat snowblind right there so this the movie version the live action adaptation which is why now you have a totally new character that was never in any of the games at all 
they can take liberties with the idea of doing this and now adding him on. So I, I, I don't mind it with the idea that they made sense of the whole entire thing and why this new character that we never saw before uh, is now a part of this, you know, a, is now part of this um, deal. So, you know, you know, this is where Lewis Tan, who played Cole Young, Cole Young is nowhere to be seen in any Mortal Kombat game in history, but he's in this movie version. I don't know if this is eventually gonna, they're going to eventually add him to future Mortal Kombat games. I don't know, but for what it's worth, it worked. People were cool with it. They didn't. I, I, oddly, oddly enough, people did not mind this because uh, you would think you would think that people would have been up in arms and like, this is not canon. This dude was never in there. Who the hell is uh, Cole Young and all this stuff? And nah, not at all. Nobody had any issue with it. I think they were just glad that it it, it didn't turn out like Annihilation. <laughs> and, it, and it felt like Mortal Kombat. So, um, you know, kudos. We'll see what happens with that. And, uh, you know, so far, so good. So we'll see. And again, also, the, way, the reason why they could get away with doing this is... If you watched the if you played the Armageddon version of Mortal Kombat 1, where you see all variants of different Mortal Kombat characters, and you see like the the, the uh, ninja meme um, uh, Johnny Cages and all this stuff, there are different Johnny Cages in different areas. So easily, if you if you truly follow the Mortal Kombat mythology and lore then you know that this, which we're about to see, is totally okay, and they can get away with doing this. So I know there's going to be some people who are going to complain about it, but there's going to be also those same people who may have not actually be that invested into the Mortal Kombat mythology to understand why this Johnny Cage has an accent, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. But we'll see how this goes and see how this plays out. But I'm looking forward to it. I just, they have to break this curse because we had the original Mortal Kombat that Anderson directed from way back. And then we did an and then Annihilation came afterwards. And we haven't really saw any any really good Mortal Kombat movies since up until this point. We need to break that curse and have a, a legit a, a prominent sequel. That's all I'm saying. And then maybe even a great third movie. Now's the time that we could do this. The, the story needs to be tight. So here's fingers crossed to that one. We'll see. Um, real quick, uh, next thing I want to talk to, I got two more things I got to talk about here uh, before we head off to our talk topic of the week. But I want to talk about the deleted scenes of the Marvels. The Marvels came out this week. And again, I love it. I supported it. Um, I support the, the movie itself. I went to go see it in theaters and thought it was very enjoyable. There was a lot to like about this movie. I can't speak for the haters. That didn't like the movie uh, i just that you know i i can't i can't rely on people with not with any without merit you know so i thought nia da costa did her thing she was the first black woman to actually you know direct a marvel film and i thought she did a really good job with this in my, um in my opinion and much to a lot of people's opinion who actually went to go watch the actual movie also, Brie Larson, Tiana uh, Paris, and uh, you know Iman Vellani. They they nailed it, especially Iman Vellani. Obviously, the MVP of them all, and Samuel L. Jackson as well. And I mean, just a great cast. Um, but you know, the movie I watched it again, enjoyed it. 
they had deleted scenes. Of course, everyone, everybody does. So for the first time, I watched the deleted scenes and for the first time ever, normally when I watch the deleted scenes, I often, I often say like, I look at it, I'm like, damn, why didn't you add that on? Why did that, they should have add that one on. I wouldn't, that makes so much sense. It would have been awesome if they would have left that on. And some of them don't. However, this is the first time I watched deleted scenes that felt that I felt needed to be taken out. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. I don't know what led to them doing this, but I'm glad that they left it out because it, it, it just didn't fit the flow of what the final cut did. And the final cut I thought was really good, but this would have kind of, this would have stopped it on its tracks if they would have added some of the stuff. And like the first one was Miss Marvel being, you know, teleported from based on her powers and the situation that their, their powers glitching. She ended up in, you know, Captain Marvel's ship where she uh, connected with, you know, King Valkyrie from new Asgard. Um, and it was, it was a cute little moment because you got to see, you know, um, you got to see, uh, Kamala freak out when she figured out that she was in, you know, Captain Marvel's ship. But then it just kind of just, it kind of slowed the pace of everything that was going on. So I'm glad they took it out. The second one was the Marvels on the singing planet, which, uh, they are getting new costumes. So it was like a stale moment with that you're looking at that I'm like yeah they had to cut that out like this had to be a deleted scene there so there was another part that i there was another scene that i did like but it did it would have it would not have worked on air kamala's mom because you guys know you know they end up going on you know sabers the sabers uh you know headquarters in space so while they're waiting for the marvels to do their thing you know Kamala's mom is teaching the whole entire crew how to do yoga and to stay calm during all the you know stuff that was going on. She's trying to get Nick Fury to join in in the uh, <laughs> in the yoga session. Yo Fury replies with this line saying, "Nah, I'ma stay out." And I was like, "Okay, for what it's worth, this deleted scene wouldn't have worked, but that line was was killer <laughs> because of how how Fury delivered it." he uh delivered the line it was just it was so natural and so cool uh so i mean yeah i'm glad they took that out but that that was a funny little moment that right there i really enjoyed that last scene just really i think it just really i'm glad they took it out because it, it it really again it didn't really fit in with everything that was going on because if you look at the actual final cut of the movie everything flows and it's you know it paces itself well but each one of these scenes it stops it on its tracks. Um, this was a scene where uh, the, the one of the Kree soldiers was chasing Kamala into a room and all the stuff, and it was like this tense moment or whatever like that. And it just it, the, the the tempo of the scene just didn't match up to everything else that was going on in the movie. So I'm glad they took it out. Like so, it was only good thing is there was only four scenes because I've seen you know there were a lot more. A lot, normally, some movies have a lot more deleted scenes than that. This only had four, which means majority of what they were doing, they felt confident and pretty good with. So that that's not that bad. So, but just to look at these separately is much better than look at than adding them onto the whole entire thing. So I would go for that. So, but if you didn't get the chance to see the Marvels, whether you buy it, which I highly recommend, because it's it's just a very fun movie that really truly kickstarts the new Avengers uh, uh, team up and lineup that's coming. But also, you know, 
just the fact that like you know it was a very it was just a lot of fun movie is a really fun movie or whether you're just waiting for the disney plus one because I, I got a feeling when it comes on disney plus there's going to be a high viewer rate of this movie coming out and people are going to watch it if the people who claims that they didn't like it or whatever like that they're going to watch yeah I, I truly believe that there's some people who just will like it but don't want to admit that they like it because they bashed it so much there's going to be other people who will like it but won't admit that they won't like it and they won't say it and it may be some people that watch it and it's like and double down on it but you got to watch it first but i believe the viewership for this movie when it comes out on disney plus is going to be high because people are finally going to want to watch it and again folks <laughs> to the brain dead idiots out there who just decided like i'm gonna let this movie bomb and let them people know that it's a bad movie no that's not how it works i've said this many times say it again bad box office numbers does not equal a bad movie it just equals that you refuse to want to watch the movie the movie could be great but it gets bad box office numbers on the same at the same time We've seen movies with big box office numbers, but did not live up. But, you know, studios will advertise that it made this much in the box office, yada, yada, yada. But we knew definitely that movie did not live up. It did not good. You could take our money. You, yeah, great. Take our money. But like, I believe Fantastic Four might have gotten, <laughs> you know, a, a, a good box office number two. Um, the last, you know, Fantastic Four um, movie, it might have gotten that. Uh, it might have gotten more money than the Marvels, but we know better about that movie. We knew that going in. I think a lot of us, like myself, went in looking for a car crash more than it was a great movie. You know, we went in and we went in with like a mystery science theater three thousand mindset, <laughs> and it, it, you have to with that film. I have not watched that film since I've been in theaters. I'm not joking, and I always hesitate wanting to see that movie again because it's on i believe it is on disney plus the temp story versions are disney plus and i like those much better i i don't know i i maybe i will one day i i just i it was just bad <laughs> it was just so so it was so bad and it has such great actors in there too so yeah go i mean just go out of your way and support that movie in whatever way or fashion you do but you will enjoy it and it will show that okay now things are starting to kick off with the new avengers especially because of what happened at the end so trust me on that stay with it last bit of news last week or a week before something like that we talked about big uh big shoddy who i think i'm i think i'm saying that name right who celebrated his historical tetris win of go reaching the kill screen you know being the first to ever do it i believe now a second person has done it since then but um he he will always be historically known for being the very first one to do it and if you recall the media network known as sky news covered the story of the 13 year old kid who did the impossible of being the first human to reach the kill screen and beating tetris but the response to this resulted in sky news reporter throwing shade at the kid for being so focused on achieving this historical 
monumental milestone goal and instead wanted she wanted him to go out and play which apparently according to her um his mother that's he actually does get some uh sun time out there and he plays and rides his bike and all the stuff so this led to a lot of people being angry and rightfully so of this person because of her out of her uh, outdated mindset and you know kudos to nbc news who were in the zeitgeist and caught wind of everything was going on they decided to cover the kid as well and this is the difference between the big leagues and the bush leagues sky news bush leagues nbc news big leagues and this is why nbc news made good by this and decided to not only interview him but also surprise him with the appearance of the creator of tetris alexi pagenoff uh, along with hank rogers of uh, the founder of tetris company to congratulate him on this impossible achievement now if you recognize those names and again if you saw the tetris movie which i don't understand why it got snubbed for so many damn things right now um it was an incredible incredible biopic of those two trying to get from mosque from, from russia to america so we can play this game and it was worth it because the game is forever an awesome game and 34 years later a kid beats it so it was all worth it and the achievement that that kid was able to do was incredible i'm I like say what you would that that right there was just absolutely i don't care to beat the kill screen or reach the kill screen of tetris but by god i tell you what man like it's a lot of fun going just trying to get as far as you can but the fact that somebody actually did it is commendable and even still if if that sky news reporter what she did what she failed to see in this the significance of this is that th there's a higher level of intelligence that it takes for somebody to be able to do it at that pace at that speed the attention the amount of attention span that you have to have to be able to get that speed in and like it, it's even though there is a technique to how he was doing it it doesn't matter you still have to do it and nobody has been able to do it for 34 years the only the only other up until this point and him and the other guy i forgot his name forgive me but the only other proof that there was a kill screen was ai uh you know program did it other than that man look at that. this also i mean the fact that the kid did something that ai was able to accomplish too you know score one for humans that's all i'm saying for that but you know kudos to nbc news for you know they, they really like i said they made good on this they showed sky news how to do how to do this they had the power to contact the people behind the game and give this kid and really show and really appreciate and celebrate this kid the way it should be if i'm sky news and i'm i'm the owner or the manager that or the producer or whatever like that i wouldn't i wouldn't fire her but i would highly reprimand her 
like be careful what the hell you say out your mouth next time you know because look what happened her reaction her comment to that led to nbc capitalizing on it and then sh out showing them in this way need i say more folks uh let's, i gotta tell you that you know it just takes you to be a little bit more sensitive to people nowadays not there's no need to throw shade especially if you're a professional like that okay like just just don't just don't and congratulations one once again to the kid um tremendous and say what you will this can lead into a lot of awesome things later on if you are able to accomplish this you can <laughs> you can pretty much have the means to do anything i, I i'm not gonna say i agree with them but i felt like i i i I had my moments where I beat a game that I thought it was impossible to beat. And I had that same expression that he had when he beat it. I think Metroids was the first one, the original NES Metroids, because I fell to the ground because I gave all every fiber of my being trying to beat Mother Brain. And when I finally beat that son of a, <laughs> I, I was standing up when I was doing, it. I remember this so vivid. It was one of the greatest accomplishments I've had in video game history. Um, I was standing up while I was playing this and immediately the minute I finally beat that brain, I collapsed because I was just totally out of energy. So I, I empathize with the kid's reaction when he, when he, you know, hit reached that kill screen. I think the other one, is there another game that I recently beat? I think there was a, no, I just had it in my head too. Um, that I played that I, I maybe I remember it, but whatever, but I, that was the one I originally had there. And, um, I, I absolutely empathize with that kid. Oh, street fighter one street fighter. One is, is one of those games that is not easy to beat either. And the fact that I was, that I beat that game, I, you know, when you, when you accomplish something like that in a video game, I don't care if you don't like video games or not. If you beat a video game that is extremely hard to beat and you beat it, your whole mindset changes. Your confidence change. You feel like you could do whatever from that point, and which is why I am so glad I did. I had the opportunity to actually record that footage, the footage of me beating Street Fighter One, because I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll tell you that too. So, congratulations, Big Scotty, once again, and uh, you know, kudos to you and kudos to your parents for you know supporting you on the whole thing too so folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and we will check out a crisis on infinite earths as we check out the new justice league animated movie and see what i think about it especially in comparison to the Arrowverse version and if we do that we will do that right after this Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things 
ACMG. Talk, time, live. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and this is my review of Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1. The, I guess this is the epic conclusion of this new era of DC animated movies, which I have to say, like, this is already reaching that term. I don't know if they're going to do anything after this, but we're already reaching the the climax, the, you know, the climax of this thing really quickly because they've only had like they've had a few, you know, Superman had his movie, Batman had a few movies, Wonder Woman and the Justice Society had their own movies as well, all connecting together, all leading up to Crisis on Infinite Earths, which makes a lot of sense because of the um, the Justice Society run and the Batman one in a lot of ways because it was, you know, really embracing different Earths, I guess. But you know they decided to you know make this kind of the infinity war end game which it rightfully so because that's what it originally was back in the comic books before infinity gauntlet ever came um it was crisis on infinite earths it was one of the most epic events in comic book history up to the point of infinity gauntlet uh you know the one thing that both of those books have in common is george uh, perez george perez was the writer of both of those books i believe he was he may have been you know the comic book artist for those too um i gotta go back and check but yeah he was heavily involved in the making of both of those epic uh events for marvel and dc and he also gets writer's credit for this movie here so i don't know if he because he you know fortunately the you know the uh, the late great george perez has left us in 2022 um sky <laughs> You know, part of the reason why we love comic books is because of his contributions and the stuff that he's done and the things that he was able to do with this story and a lot of stories. You know, he's worked in DC, he's worked with Titans, he's worked with a lot of, you know, different books. He's worked in, you know, Marvel for a lot of different books as well. And um, yeah, we talk about Stan Lee and we talk about Steve, uh, you know, um, Jack Kirby and a lot of those guys. George Perez is in that, is in that realm too. George Perez de- deservingly. And he is not like he doesn't get credit at all. He gets a lot of credit for, you know, his contributions in storytelling and art as well. And this is no different because he's getting writer's credit for this uh, movie. I don't know how long it took them to do this movie, um, but it appears that he is getting writer's credit, which means they could have been producing this two years ago or three years ago before he passed. And they're honoring him, you know, right now with it. Now, with that said here's the thing the arrowverse at some point also came up with um their version of crisis on infinite earths and crisis crisis on earth x two absolutely well written well acted well produced awesome sagas that they did for the uh, arrowverse for um greg palanti's arrowverse um, so I, I still actually say Crisis on Earth X was like Transformers the movie, <laughs> especially because of everything that has happened in that in that series, and that like what was it like a five part series of that? 
Like I would easily go back and watch it again. Cause I remember when we had our old ACMG Facebook group and we were doing talk time posts and, you know, posting online and talking about things. And, you know, as it aired was so great back then because we were all into these shows. They were hot as hell. They got high ratings. And when it got to, you know, crisis on earth X and we got to see the evil, you know, uh, you know, Oliver queen and the evil, um, you know, Supergirl and all the stuff in the flat. Like it was fantastic. But what even happened more is when people were just dying, like normal, normal cast members were dying at the events of this and they never came back. <laughs> okay. And it broke a lot of our hearts back then because it was, just, it was like watching Dale from the walking, uh, from the walking dead get killed by Negan. And it just took all the air out of the room. Not it. Nothing will compare to that. I, 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 I like, I still watch all the Arrowverse shows after, you know, um, Professor Stein died and all this stuff. I didn't watch as much Walking Dead when they killed Dell. And I knew in the comics that he was supposed to die anyway, but man, it took, for those who didn't read the comics back then, and they saw that, and we didn't know at the time, remember, because we didn't know if what Jeffrey D. Morgan's character, Negan, whether they want to kill him off they could have changed it immediately because they have taken liberties to change some things period man took all of the air out of the room and if you guys remember on that day because that at the time california was going through a drought and they do the walk the, the, the talking dead in california they did a live outdoor episode of that for the first time in like weeks or months in california the night that they aired the episode where the, the premiere episode where Dale died. I forgot. It was another, it was two people that died because they, they, they surprised us. They, they fully, they pulled the wool over us. When Dale died, it rained. It began to rain in there and it was like, they were outdoors and doing a live show and the crowd was just emotionally distraught. When Professor Stein died in, in Crisis on Infinite uh, X or Earth X, it was the same thing. And then also Crisis on Infinite Earths, when they did that, Ali, we, we lost Oliver Queen, <laughs> you know, who ended up becoming a specter in that deal. But with that said, all those, you know, all those like, um, those, those, those elements that happened made for some great TV. So now, this is the animated version of crisis on infinite earth. And I'm, I'm sorry. I am going to compare because it is still a story based on the same, you know, source. It is a story that levels supposed to level up. Like even though it's animated and that's live action, you're still telling a story. You're still, you know, captivate, trying to captivate us. Did crisis on infinite earth, the animated movie do that. And in my opinion, for me personally, especially because I love the Greg Berlanti telling of that. And I, and because this is just part one and so far this one in the words of, um, Robin on young justice, I'm a little bit well with this one, this, uh, I don't think that this really lived up to the epic climax or the epic feel that I felt it was like, obviously there's something big going on and some, and it involves the anti-monitor and, um, 
in a monitor as well and all of the universes are being erased and it really it really focuses on the flash and iris almost in the same way that it you know it because i mean all these multiverse sagas does it usually involve the flash and in the, in the speed force and him being able to manipulate time and you know matter and whatnot but something about this just felt very slow paced and it just didn't click completely like i watched it twice and the sec while i enjoyed it a little bit more the second time i still felt like it, it just it just it was just there was really not a lot of action it was really a love story between iris and and barry and how they are trying to survive you know throughout time basically and which was beautiful and all it was great there were some great dramatic love scene moments in there but at the end it was like all right i don't i mean there was some action between you know luthor and superman and the formation of the justice league and stuff like that and but i just it just didn't feel i just didn't feel like things weren't moving as pacefully as i wanted it to and that could be just me um but i mean of course the 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 character design the artwork the the acting all that was great i just felt like things was just moving so slow and we were just going back and forth you know with iris and, and barry and um you know it, it, to me i would have loved it to be a little bit more action oriented and i felt like it did to an extent i did like the the um the chemistry between you know matt boomers you know barry allen and ashley uh latropes you know iris west uh who again in this universe she's also uh, once again black and i think they're just keeping that format you know throughout time they're just you know I iris originally i believe was white in the original comics and all this stuff but like they're you know dc's bringing inclusion to it which i'm cool with um i liked iris on the show i like iris his version of iris and i love I, I think if this as a love story on its own it's awesome because their performance towards themselves and their, their the love for each other it really stuck on you saw the old versions of them you saw the younger versions of them um but the flash knows that things are happening and it's inevitable that's going to happen and you know he's got to try to save all these times they also end up meeting the uh syndicate which i i think that part was the, the, the parts where the syndicate was in there was kind of hilarious because they all just come off as you know like high school jocks and cheerleaders and all of the the a-holes that you pretty much you know hated in high school they that's what the syndicate was so you know super there's their version of superman is like ultraman and he just comes off like a total d-bag like <laughs> and only top on top of that he, he you know like the other versions you saw because it's not the first time we saw the syndicate on an animated uh dc movie you know if you look at the dc movies in the past they sh they made appearances as well um he always comes off at this like this gangster version of superman with the hair slicked back and all that stuff and everything too so you know i thought they, they were just they were stupid they were stupid like they just it's like it, it's it's one of those situations like when stupid people have powers you you know it's like at the same time are imitating life in a lot of ways um but when you know when stupid people have powers you know they do stupid things and 
you know, you got to see how they screwed up things even more and didn't believe Barry Allen from the get go. And, you know, they end up reaping what they sowed at the end of that. And then he, their idea of taking on the erasing of, of their existence is to face it head on because they felt like their powers were going to like they let Ultraman let them into their own doom. Like it was inevitable. They were going to they were going to be erased anyway. Like Owlman, who's their Batman, basically shooting missiles at things after cars and tanks and all the stuff couldn't hit. Like, what was the point? What was the point? <laughs> I thought that what that part was ridiculous in that sense. But um, there was that. I mean, there was there were some other things, too. You got to see multiverse versions of other Superman's as well. You got to see an older Superman from another Earth. Um, who was dating Wonder Woman at, at, I believe at the result of losing Lois and stuff like that. So you got to see a lot of that. You got to see, you know, uh, Robin as, you know, who's as old as, you know, Bruce Wayne and, and such like that. So you got to see a lot of that. I'm sure I've read, I remember reading the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I only read it once. And that was during the time when Greg Berlanti's version was coming out. Because I didn't, I didn't read Crisis on Infinite Earths for that and reason being is because i wasn't a dc person i'm a little bit more of a dc fan now but not nowhere near as hardcore as i am with marvel i don't i know some of the mythology mythology mostly because of you know the berlanti uh you know arrowverse but also with the omega fist tournament that i did years ago because people were picking out characters that i wasn't aware of um from various different comic books and i got to learn a little especially about the superman the different Superman, like they were Superman Prime or Superboy Prime or whatever like that. And all these other characters that I never knew about. And the idea of doing that tournament helped other people become more interested in these characters because why, you know, wondering why a lot of the contestants were picking these characters. And so we ended up, ended up doing some research and a lot of us, like if there was a character that we liked, we end up researching and looking more into it. and becoming fans of those characters so it was stuff like that that really helped my growing fandom for dc you know it'll still never be at the same pay at the same level as what marvel is because marvel would just always appeal to me way more and it appealed to a lot of people over the years because they always connected they you know they always had characters that were more relevant and relate and uh, relatable to people because they always gel with the times um whereas dc took years decades to catch up to that understanding because dc's myth you know um ideology and philosophy was just creating you know cartoony strong overly powerful superheroes and that was going to sell now marvel went the other direction and say like yeah we'll have powerful people but they are not perfect by any stretch and that's why Marvel stayed on because, you know, in, in real world, not everybody's perfect and you get an opportunity to get a power. You still got to struggle with real world stuff and you got to implement the powers into it at that point, too. So. But, you know, I've read Crisis once. And I do recall some of the events of everything happening, but I'm not that honed in. But I, I you know, if I pick between Crisis or Inf Infinity Gauntlet, it's going to be Infinity Gauntlet all day. But I've read, you know, Crisis, and I feel like there is a lot of this movie that they do pay homage to more than it did the live action version. But I just felt the live action version because, you know, you're dealing with a bigger budget 
and and they got a big they got a big budget to do that do that series that um that special as well but you got a chance to you know to do that and you got a big almost like hollywood budget that they were working with and you only got like at least an hour to tell this to tell a story of something that involves dozens of issues leading up to this and i thought they did a, a really good you know job with that almost in the same way um like yu yu haka show recently on netflix you know they they only have five episodes and they had to you know tell a story that spans over 100 episodes like 130 episodes to, uh, to be honest um and two sagas and i thought they did it for what it was worth they did fairly well with that uh what they did what they couldn't uh, what they did was really well so people don't understand it's like yes you want that entire experience but you can't cram it and for the for at least for this this was part one but i will say with part one it's a very slow burn so i'm hoping that part two will pick up the pace of action and everything that's going on right now but i mean i can watch this but i i won't enjoy it if all the all the animated movies of this version of the dc animated movie saga this was coming off right after the awesome you know new 52 um ser series of uh movies that they were doing that led up to the apocalypse wars um that, that apocalypse wars was crazy i mean they ended off with a bang with that one i need to go back and watch all those again um but this one it started off interesting the artwork the art style is awesome the performances as well i mean like you know you got some powerhouse you know names in here that are back matt bowman uh matt boomer i should say or uh, bomer is uh the flash you got jensen ackles you know from supernatural and the boys as batman uh, which you know he does an okay batman this is not his portrayal of batman is not the best that i in my opinion not by far i think troy baker does a killer batman and bruce wayne i mean and of course um there are others that i do pretty good but nobody's ever going to be kevin Conroy. never it, it just i mean again troy baker is the closest to kevin Conroy as you could possibly get in terms of batman portrayals batman and bruce wayne portrayals but i don't you know jensen ackles he does a he does a good job with it darren chris plays superman also okay not as good as the uh, justice league in superman the animated series uh tim daly uh, is it tim daly uh let me see let me for man the Yeah, it's Tim Daly. Yeah, Tim Daly does a, an incredible job as Superman and, um, and Clark. Um, so Meg uh, Donnelly is reprising the role of Supergirl from American uh, Housewife um, fame. And uh, it, uh, she's also played in Zombies, too, I think, on the Disney deal. So uh, she's back as Supergirl. She does a pretty good job as that character, um, as uh, as Supergirl as well. You got uh, Stana... Uh, Castic as Wonder Woman um, also does a Gal Gadot version of her, which is pretty good. Uh, Jimmy Simpson is Green Arrow. Again, Green Arrow, I thought was funny because, you know, again, and the animate, all, it just seems like all animated versions of him is a goofball of a character. Whereas like, you know, when Stephen Amell plays him, he's Batman. <laughs> In this sense, Jonathan Adams from the, from, um, 
Last Man Standing is playing the monitor in this one, which means he might be playing anti-monitor as well. Zachary Quinto, Silas from and, and Spock uh, from Heroes and Star Trek plays Lex Luthor. He does pretty, he does fairly good as him too. Um, Ike Amandi as John Jones. Um, Zach Callison as Dick Grayson also does a pretty good job. Alex, um, Alexandra Dario. Oh, she is awesome. I mean, <laughs> very awesome um she plays a good lois lane though too um auto uh asan what is it asando plays mr terrific my man e uh aldis hodges mc red from straight out of compton is john uh john stewart in here also shown here is uh dr light played by uh arika uh ishi uh, the question played on Dave david k uh cynthia Hamandi is Dawnstar. Uh, Alistair Duncan is Alfred. And there's many more people. Vixen is also in here as well. And, you know, Flash, you know, talks all of them into becoming the Justice League. Um, it's just, I don't believe Vixen was ever in the original Justice League. So this is like part of the Liberty, the Creative Liberties part that was in here too. But, you know, overall, it was an okay movie but it didn't really get me excited and left me wanting to see more uh i'm just hoping that the second movie really picks up because what we're seeing right now it just it was just there it was just something to watch it was just something really cool to see great visuals and aesthetics and um you know character design and you know stuff and acting was great but the storytelling was just to me it just slowed it was for 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 a movie that was based around the flash it was very slow um and i you know i it's of all the movies of this saga that they've come out actually this is the least of my favorite they've come out with some with a lot of great movies in this version of the uh the animated movies this one kind of fell flat a bit uh and i'm hoping when part two comes out that they will it will all somehow make it better in this case but right now it was okay even imdb ratings gives it a 6.4 out of a 10 and then you know a lot of there's sometimes i don't agree with that but at this point i do agree it's 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 very whelming it's very lukewarm um i'm interested in seeing what rotten tomatoes gave it crisis give me a sec crisis oh, justice crisis the earth's part one let me see what they Yeah, it, well, look, even the audience score right now is a 66%. The audience score to me means more than anything because the critic score will always have their own opinions and they're a little bit like, you know, uppity about it. Whereas audience will like what they like. If it makes them feel good, they'll like it. You know, if not, they'll tell you. And I, I trust the audience score a little bit more, but even right now, over 50 plus ratings and a lot of it is 66% right now. Yeah, I, I'm kind of agreeing with that i mean it just did not live up to the epic you know feel that we're supposed to have I, like i said i watched crisis on infinite earths the live action one 
completely different. Like I, I'm aiming to go on Max and try to find every one of those episodes to watch again. I wish they would just put them all together because, you know, what we have to do now, unless the CW app still has it, I got to check because the CW app at one point had all of them put together. So you don't have to, you know, tediously try to search for everything. But those those live action series were so good. They were so, so good. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, as far as a grade for this, unfortunately, it's not a bad movie, but it's also not the best movie. Uh, I would have to say maybe if this if part two kind of picks up and actually makes sense of part one. I may enjoy it a little bit better, but right now it's just like on its own. It doesn't it just it, it just I, I didn't come out of this feeling like I was going through a roller coaster ride or an epic fail and the cliffhanger never left anything to lead for as well. So if I'm giving it a grade, unfortunately, it's going to be a solid C at this. I, and you know what? Honestly, just for the animation and art, I'll give it a C plus, but no more, no less. I can't bear to say that like this is something I think you could probably if you have Max, I will wait until it comes on max for you to watch it um i would when we talk about the marvels and we talk about this marvels is worth buying that that movie was definitely a lot of fun and it was worth buying this one did not live up like i i didn't i i watched it twice and in both times i was like all right it just it, it was just there it was just there. So, I mean, yeah, this one, you wait. The Marvels, I don't believe you should wait for. You should go buy it. That was just, that was just a lot of fun. And I love the direction of where we're going with the new Avengers on that one. So just, you know, slight, you know, segue from that. But it is what it is. So, I mean, yeah, if you've been waiting for this to come out and, you know, you were hoping, yeah, you better keep hoping. Just wait, just wait for it to come out on Max. But folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I don't know what I'm going to see next week because there's a lot going on next week. There, I mean, there's a lot going on next week. Um, but I know I will be going to the theaters because there's a lot of movies coming out uh, soon. Uh, Madam Web is going to be coming out in February. Uh, I believe there's something else coming that I'm probably going to review, I think, next week. I don't know. Sure. But or the week after. But this week, I don't know. I will, we'll get back to that. But we do, like I said, we do have some new episodes coming as well. We got Tom Hewlett from Way Forward coming this week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, my new show with Sunday Night's main event, All Elite Geekly, is going to be there with Boris uh, Roberto Aguilar. So stay tuned for that as we review AEW Dynamite and talk about some ACMG related stuff as well. Uh, and there are some free feeds for that but there's also uh, it is under a patreon paywall it too because the main flagship uh flagship show is sunday night's main event so if you're a wrestling fan and this is canada's premier wrestling radio show it's been on for over two decades it's been on for over 20 years it used to be known as the law but it didn't rebrand it into uh sunday night's main event and it airs on um it airs on radio on Toronto, Canada. Um, it is a long-running history 
of uh, guests that has been on that show. Dave Meltzer has been on that show. Chris Van Vliet. If you guys know that name, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that name because that dude's everywhere. And he does a weekly segment every once in a while, uh, every so often on air as well. So you definitely want to check it out. But I'm going to be on air this week uh, to talk about the round table. I think we're going to talk about why the hell I end up coming back to WWE or something like that to something to that extent. So stay tuned for that. It airs 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and then the replay. You can find it on SundayNightsMainEvent.com or even Podbean, too. You, you can check, uh, catch it on Podbean as well. And uh, definitely go out of your way to check that out. And then uh, if you really like what you hear, you know, go subscribe to their Patreon page where my show appears on there as well. But also you'll get a free feed of my show every so often too. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. But we got more to come next week. Uh, it's Tekken week. It is Tekken, Tekken week, baby. Looking forward to that. Also, I have decided. I think I am. I've been playing it for a good minute. I will be doing Tales of Arise um, expansion because after like the minute I started playing it again, I just remember why I love this game. So we're going to cover that and tell you um, whether you, this is a worthy expansion or not. We'll we'll definitely let you know for uh, for that point. And then another week we'll we'll do Grand, um, you know, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy uh, Arise. Um, what is it? Arise? Is it? Yeah. The the latest fighting game version uh, that's that's uh, been out for a minute, too. So but Tekken will come. Tekken 8 will come shortly before that game, too. So we got lineup of games coming uh, as well. The Suicide Squad game. I am not getting I am just not not until they get the offline, the offline mode in there. That is a total live service game right now. It's I've already learned my lesson from Marvel uh, Avengers, which I like the story mode of it. And I like the fact that they finally took it offline. But I'm not going through the same thing. I don't, I'm not, no, I'm sorry. I'm playing a Magneto card. We let the pawns go first. <laughs> and that one, so I'm holding off on that one, but there are other games that will be out in February that I'll most likely check out. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. Folks, if you like this episode in every episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, please check out our official website at talktimelive.com. That is where all of our audio episodes like this one and our video exclusive interviews with people like Tom Hewlett and some of your favorite voice actors, uh, game developers, producers, actors, whatever. It's all on that page and you get to check it out for free. It's all on there. So go out of your way, check it out right there. And um, also some blog content as well. And some great stuff out there. You know, panels that I work with, Repop as well. You can check there, it's still up and running. So, um, with the you know with bleach with the cast of bleach the cast of uh my hero academia the cast of uh pokemon the og pokemon cast mind you um and and actually the og cast of pokemon of ash ketchum brock and misty as well as team rocket all in one swoop and uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime and much, much more Sailor Moon as well. So all of I've, I have panels that I've moderated with all of those cast members. You can find it all on talktomelive.com with ease in there. And uh, if you want to subscribe and download to all of your favorite podcast platforms, we are everywhere where podcasts are played, whether it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, Podbean, do you name it. We are there. Just check it out. Type in ACMG Presents Talk Time Live and you will subscribe and never miss a beat there. So, folks, that will do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go. 
live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, and you guys stay warm, and have a great and safe week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.